Welcome, Fivers, to another episode of High Five, the podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. On this week's episode, your hosts Q and Jay dive into some of their favorite movies and hopefully talk about some of your favorites, too. Feel free to yell at your speakers when we ignore your favorites, or you could just tweet at us with your choices, like an adult. Now, let's join Q and Jay in the writer's room as they dive in. Fair warning. This podcast may contain spoilers for movies that came out 20 years ago, but at this point, that's really your fault. And now, on with the show. Previously on X-Men. Welcome, children, to Q&J's School for Exceptionally Gifted Podcasters. Q&J, yeah, Q&J! Do you hear the children? Yeah. They're just running around, cute as can be, shooting microphones out of their butts. <laughs> My eyes are on fire! Yep, that's part, of, that's part of being an exceptionally gifted podcaster. Why am I blue? And here you'll meet both me, Q, who is bald, and Jay, who's in a wheelchair. Who? <laughs> <laughs> and together, together, we make Professor XJQ. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. So, uh, but yeah. I, I want everyone to be extremely clear of what's happening here. Q and J, myself and Q. Uh huh. I am in a wheelchair. Yes. Q is bald. Yep. And he is sitting on my lap. Yes. And that's how we're. And together. we're we're wearing a trench coat. Right. The same one, just one. So, right. It's a very so it's, big one. It's kind of like the three kids stacked in a trench coat effect. Exactly. So I'm just. I'm just a really tall person in a wheelchair. Yeah, so right now we look like a bald Andre the Giant that is Professor X. But Jay insisted on cutting armholes for his arms, so we kind of look like Goro from Mortal Kombat. But bald and really smart. (laughs) Exactly. And and crippled. (laughs) Perfect. Should we high five? We should high five. High five. High five. Should we high five? High five! High five! High five! High five! High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang it. All right, all right, Q. Now I have to say, I, I'm really digging this, but if we're gonna record, you're gonna have to get off me. I don't want to, though. Okay. This well, is uncomfortable. Just... It's like Santa. <laughs> How is it like? Oh, because you're sitting on my lap, <laughs> right? Exactly. I know you can't feel me with your non-working <laughs> legs, but. <laughs> For half a second, I was like, how in the world is this like Santa? Although, Jay, I will say that I do admire your method acting and that you just actually crippled yourself. Oh, yeah. This, no, no. I had... Uh, for just this podcast. <laughs> I went to a very bad doctor and asked uh-huh. for an uh, an impromptu epidural. Yep. And, you know, that's that's all it took. Bada bing, bada boom. No bada more bing, walkie. Bada bing, <laughs> bada wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that being said, we in no way are <laughs> making fun, <laughs> making fun of people in wheelchairs. Only Jay. We're only making fun of Professor X and me. Right. That's it. And yeah. that's fair. Let's be honest. Yeah. No, no. I mean, yeah. Agreed. That's fair. Uh, so we are here at the gifted school for gifted podcasters. I think I said gifted too many times. Yeah, we're at the gifted school for gifted podcasters of gifted high five the podcast. But we're using gifted in the same way that like the special ed class, right? Uses gifted. (laughs) Oh my goodness, Q. Did you just launch a side arc of the X-Men where it's Dr. Xavier school for gifted children, but it's, it's like gifted is in quotes. 
Right. Yes. And it's like all the mutants that need Wear a helmets. little more help. <laughs> and the short yes. X bus. Yes. Yes. All right. I did. There is a lot of fodder for comedy in this topic, but I'm scared of this. Topic. Yes, it is very dangerous. We should tread lightly. <laughs> or but, not at all. You should roll lightly. Or you just have people that are like have kind of special special skills that aren't very helpful. It's kind of like Narc Angel. He just kind of knows where drugs are a lot. <laughs> I was gonna say he just tells on people all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what is it, Narc Angel? Jesus. Hey. Oh, Colossus is doing something weird. <laughs> he stole cookies again. All right, thanks for letting us know, Narc Angel. <laughs> and then there's Jean Frey who just kind of sits, stands off to the side of the screen. I was hoping you were going to say she just, like, orchestrates murders of people's families during their weddings. (laughs) (laughs) The wall, like Walter Frey. (laughs) I was thinking more of Frey on the edges, but I like that. (laughs) She's just, like, that's not even really a power. She's just really cruel. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Joffrey's at the school. It's like, what special powers do you have? It's like, I'm a huge dick. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really good at setting up people to get murdered. (laughs) No, like, see, like, with your superpowers. Like, no, I'm just an asshole. Like, put a big one. <laughs> but that's it. I'm, like, <laughs> the biggest asshole you've ever you met. But it's, like, meet. it's so bad that it's superpowered. Exactly. My I asshole like this. is superpowered. I'm into this. I think we need to develop an entire run of characters that are just versions of... And, or we could have, like, Wallflower Vereen <laughs> or Wolverine. <laughs> and he Wolverine. just... It's, like, just a shy Wolverine. He's just always he's just, on the wall. He's just constantly hanging out on the wall. He just mumbles all the time. <laughs> and then there's a, well, I mean, there's obviously Lightcrawler. Um, oh, for sure. He has no powers. He's just a white guy that hangs around and crawls. <laughs> he just he's crawls just like, on hey the ground. Guys. He's like, hey, look, I got army training. Yeah, check this out. Check I'm, this out. I'm, I'm white and I'm a crawler. <laughs> There you go. That's it. I'm actually a baby. <laughs> Check me out. Why do you think the light crawler is just a white baby? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That Xavier has stolen for some reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, I like I like uh, Professor X's school for the specially gifted. You right? Maybe we. That's where we put in the two gifteds. <laughs> Professor Xavier's gifted school for gifted children. Wait, is that what the show The Gifted is about? Yes. Okay. Good. We actually created that. You didn't realize. You haven't been getting the residual checks. I mean, I have, but I, they were so little. I didn't know what they were for. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad, they, I'm glad they listened to my suggestion. <laughs> well, apparently they were based on the ratings of the show, which we never should have contracted. They were just trying to phase you out Milton style. They're like, we've corrected the error. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But Jay is still like walking around <laughs> thinking he's part of the show. No, no, no. We've corrected the error. Right. We feel it will just work itself. Out. <laughs> it'll work. It, it'll work itself out eventually. X Men Office Space. <laughs> That's it. Wow, we've created so many spinoff opportunities. Yeah. Just in this, I mean, and that just really in this intro. Yeah, I know. So, so Jay, first off, we should say hey. So, hey Jay. Hey Q. And today we're talking about a very special topic, one that is o- obviously rife with uh, incarnations and versions, and that is we are talking the X-Men movie universe. The S, the X-verse. The X-move-a-verse? The X-M-U. The gifted movie-verse. The gif of effects verse <laughs> We're talking gifs. <laughs> We're talking the gift uh, that was directed by... <laughs> Sam Raimi. <laughs> the Sam Ra- Wait, 
Yeah. What? It, okay. What am I thinking of though? That was um, written by uh, the actor that was about. Uh, oh, Taron or not Taron Edgerton? Joel no, Edgerton. Joel. Thank you. His brother. Is that also the gift? I think it's called the gift. Is it the present? No, it's the gift. Hold on, I'm gonna look up Joel Edgerton. Now. How many gift movies are there? You oh hit, hit Joel and Edgerton's last names are spelled different. Someone should tell their parents. You should tell them. It is called the gift. It is. Yeah. But you, and the and other one is also is ca- Gordo. Oh really? Yeah. You do know that the other guy or the other movie is also called the gift, right? The Sam Raimi with Keanu Reeves and uh, Kate or not Kate. Uh, who was married to Tom Cruise? Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes. Yes, that one is uh, Kate Blanchett, and that's the one where Katie Holmes shows her boobies. That's right, and while dead. That's <laughs> literally the only reason I know what that movie is. Because <laughs> I was like, in 2000, I was like, yeah, Katie Holmes, she's boobies. going places. <laughs> and, like, uh, like, into my freeze frame. <laughs> into my screen grabs. <laughs> um, so we're talking X-Men. Which, Why are we talking X Men Q here on well, mainly, the podcast? Mainly because today, mm. uh, coincidentally, totally unplanned or orchestrated, we are not Gene Frey at all. No, no, no. So we're not good at organizing things. Totally unplanned. Dark Phoenix, the last, supposedly last of Fox's X Men Supp- series. Supposedly, but I want to talk about that. Yeah, we oh, we definitely got to dig into that because some crazy things have happened with this property over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, supposedly it comes to an end today with the release of Dark Phoenix, which is which again, Q. I know you mentioned it, but I want to stress to our listeners how ironic this is. What you're listening to, just so you don't know, like we record podcasts in advance obviously to to get ahead of the curve oh you're this, really pulling back the curtain i know <laughs> this episode was recorded in 2015 mm-hmm. so we're talking dark phoenix a long time before, so it's just ironic that it's being released on the same day really we're talking episodes of podcast past we future <laughs> future past we we shelved this movie for a long time it was it was in production hell and then this release is actually being timed with a movie that had production hell of its own so you know Good timing. You guys are lucky as listeners, and we can just dive into X-Men. This is a topic that I've been a fan of the X-Men almost my whole life, Q. I know that this is big for you as well. Sure. Um, now, when I say it's big, I don't mean like the release of this movie. We hadn't been anticipating it like <laughs> no. we had Endgame, but it is it's the it end is of an, an era. Yeah, that's the best way to put it, I guess. Um, you but know I think what? it deserves that question mark at the end when you're saying it. Like the end, I guess yeah. this is the end of an era. Well, is it the end of the first era, the second era, the combined one and a half era? Who knows? Who, yeah, who knows? <laughs> but the question here is, Q. I know that you and the fam are going to go see Dark Phoenix at some yes, point. Yes, for sure. What What are you hoping for with this movie? Like we've had a weird, wild run since 2000 when the first X Men was released, and what are you hoping this movie is? Here's what I'm thinking. I think this is this is taking it back to X-Men 3, X-Men Last Stand. Mm-hmm. I think this is a redux of that movie. You th- think, Okay, so you're thinking what was originally supposed to end the trilogy as the Last Stand, which took a huge dump in the bed. Let's totally. just be honest. Like, it took a dump in everyone in America's bed. It was already a very successful franchise. X-Men 1 was critically claim- mm-hmm. acclaimed and people turned out in droves. X-Men 2 was even more critically acclaimed. Which, again, let's not, that's no small feat for a sequel. 
Nope. Like, this is one of the rare sequels that was better than the original, in my opinion. So, so like, they had momentum. So, let's be honest. And Brett they pulled Ratner. a Spider-Man. Oh, wait a minute. That's what happened. <laughs> Brett Ratner. <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, Brett Ratner really was set up to succeed. So, it should have been fine. But because it's Brett Ratner, he managed to just dick it all up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I, um, man, the last stand. I, okay. We'll talk about the last stand, but so, so I think this is going to be kind of their mulligan for the last stand. Obviously it's not going to tie into the last, I mean, to sure. X2 directly. Cause this is using the younger versions of the mutants, which they've introduced in first class, which when they reduxed, uh, the last stand the first time or when they reduxed Wolverine origins. Exactly. Um, so, but I do think this is going to be kind of their opportunity to tell that that story. And Dark right. Phoenix story was pretty much the Last Stand story, right? Uh, it was. I mean, because it had Jean Grey turning into Phoenix. It had her kind of wiping. eviscerating half of the cast, right? Including had, uh, Professor floating, X and floating uh, Cyclops glasses. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, I think it's going to be that. Um, I'm. I just hope it's better than Apocalypse. That's okay. All. Uh, let's let's put a pin right there. Apocalypse was such a letdown. It was like, the cast was stacked. Um unbelievably stacked. I mean Oscar Isaac as a bad guy totally unused in that film, which is a bummer. Apocalypse as a character, like the Apocalypse arc not only in the comics but in the original x-men cartoon series that you and i watched growing up sure those stories are amazing like the apocalypse arc is just so cool that the movie was such a bummer for sure such a letdown it really was so i think we should do this let's let's do this let's go chronologically through the movies and just kind of give our thoughts okay on them i I think that'd be i like it that'd be a good way to attack this so let's start with what started this franchise. Let's mm-hmm. go back to X-Men. It is, I'll set the scene. It's the year 2000. The we future. have survived Y2K. <laughs> and Fox has decided to put out X-Men, the dun, movie. Dun, dun, dun. Now, um, hold on. While you're, while you're doing that, when did Spider-Man come out? Uh, 2001? 2002? Okay, so this really was, I mean, X-Men, I don't want to put too heavy a cap on this, but X-Men sort of launched the, we're going to make real cinematic superhero Superhero movies. movies. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely. 2002 Um, was Spider-Man. So it was two years after X-Men. Yeah. X-Men was kind of the genesis of making a big budget, Hollywood-backed, star-studded cast version of a superhero movie outside of um batman of course which was sure of outside of the batman run um but the superhero movie kind of died post batman uh and robin i i agree well and what was interesting about it was with the batman franchise you had the batman movie so you had the the tim burton ones and then the schumacher ones and you had those 
but they sort of felt like their own thing. It was like they were getting away with making comic book movies somehow, and they weren't hiding it. Like when we were hiding that Blade was a comic book movie or when we were hiding that some of those were comic book movies. Like Spider-Man came along after that and it it, it did what X-Men did. But with Batman, it was sort of like, look at what we're getting away with. X-Men purposely went in and said, we're going to add like emotional depth to these characters. We're going to focus on some that maybe you didn't think should be focused on like rogue, but allow you an entry mechanism into this world. For Um, sure. And I think by trying to make an X-Men movie or a comic book movie, that was a good film or at least attempting to do that. uh, They sort of went, it was singer, right? Who did the first one? Yeah. Um, It was singer. Was was really really smart to take that approach, in my opinion. It sort of gave I, it a depth that others couldn't match. I totally agree. You want to hear a crazy fact too, though, that I just Please. looked up. Please, uh, there was only a three year time span between Batman and Robin and X Men. Oh, really? Batman and Robin dropped in ninety seven. This movie came out in two thousand. So they must have seen Batman and Robin. And they're like, hey, this. We're going to do the opposite. Yeah, whatever this. we can do that's not this. <laughs> um, so let's talk about some of the people that, that showed up that were that became... I mean, Singer laid the groundwork for what this franchise would be. Yeah. We've got Patrick Stewart as Professor X, which is crazy. Honestly, he is the immediate fan casting choice. Uh, you're right. Like, he was perfect. It was one of those where... Even like nowadays, we just had the the Robert Pattinson news with Batman, and some people like it, some people don't. With Heath Ledger, there was big upheaval. Ben Affleck. Every time there's casting with a, a very popular comic book character, sure. everyone blows up. But Professor X, everyone in the world was like, "Yep, yep, that's <laughs> like, good. Oh, good, good I, job. I like that. Um, we've got him. We've got uh, well, Ian McKellen. I mean, yes. just right off the bat, if you get Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Like Oscar, Broadway, stage, screen, silver, legends. TV, legends. To be Professor X and Magneto, that's a foundation you can build almost anything on. Yeah, you've already elevated your movie. You've got Famke Jensen mm-hmm. as Jean Grey. Now, here's, here's a crazy one. Uh, Wolverine. Let's talk a little bit about Hugh Jackman's uh, casting. Originally, not Hugh Jackman. Okay, I remember reading about that, but who was it before? Do you know who was petitioning super hard to get this? No. Glenn Danzig of Danzig. Of the band Danzig? Of Danzig. Mama, mother. Glenn Danzig wanted to be Wolverine and petitioned the studio hard. Really? To be Wolverine. And I want to say he even did some, like, test like some screen testing stuff. Sure. Um, ultimately, Hugh Jackman got it. Now, Hugh Jackman, kind of an unknown at I this was, point. Okay, I was just about to bring that up because I had to remember. At this point, Hugh Jackman is the name. Like, he's synonymous with with uh, celebrity. He's a nice guy. He's, he's a Australian. triple threat. He's a singer. He's a dancer. He's a thespian. A thespian. But I had to remember because I went on to IMDb to look at his his – filmography and you're right like b- besides some tv shows that he was in and a movie called like paperback hero x-men was first for him which like first big thing launched his career 
Oh, not yes. Oh man, yes. And as of as of Logan's filming, he had been portraying the character for seventeen years, which is incredible. Absolutely well, I mean, incredible. The same. Uh, the same could be said of Patrick Stewart too. With Logan, for sure, for sure. It's been absolutely crazy. So we've can got I, them. We've got Anna Paquin. Yes. But before we move off of, of Huge Jackman, I want to okay. make one statement, and uh, I'll stand by this stance. Sure. Stand by your stance. Um, I I will say that I think the casting of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine was the smartest thing the franchise ever did and what ended up giving it the legs that it had. I agree with that, but you just spoke of divisive casting, and this is one that fans were not happy about because... Wolverine is portrayed as a short little stocky guy. <laughs> it should have been Danny DeVito. We all agreed up front. And let's be honest, Hugh Jackman is tall. So strike number one. And in this movie especially, not very bulky. He's no. pretty lean in the first movie. Yeah. So we're not talking Logan era gigantic huge Jackman. Or um, oh, what was the one? The one that really jumped out at me was, I think, Days of Future Past. He's crazy huge in that. Right, exactly. So that all came <laughs> later. But we're talking thin, very svelte uh, Hugh yeah. Jackman. So we're talking mini Jackman in <laughs> right, right. this one. Um, and so people were not happy about it. People were like, nope, he is not Wolverine. Don't mm -hmm. get it. And let's be honest, he, has, he was kind of the Johnny Depp, Jack Sparrow breakout of the X-Men Universe. Oh yeah. Uh, well, he, he became the face of the X Men. Well, he established a character. He he ran with that character, and he started being used primarily in all the promotion after this first one. Exactly. Um, but it's just a, it's a crazy stacked cast. You've got uh, James Marsden, mm -hmm. not unfortunately Jason Marsden, no, friend of no. the show Jason Marsden. Although I would have loved to see a Jason Marsden Cyclops. Man, that'd have been cool. I'd, it would have been totally something. Gotten, I'd have totally gotten behind that. Uh, would you? Yeah, why not? Sure. Why not? What? S I, scrappy, I don't know. Scrappy, smarmy Jason Marsden. I would a, have gotten more behind a Jason Marsden Wolverine, if I'm being honest. Ooh. I bet he would have to. <laughs> totally. Jason, send us a picture of you dressed as Wolverine. Do it. Um, <laughs> aside from that, though, uh, I mean, this cast is crazy. You've got, uh, who else we got on here? We've got Ray Parks. Oh, yeah. Uh, who is better known as Darth Maul from Star Wars. Uh, he is Toad in this movie. Uh, you've got <laughs> you got Halle Berry. Yeah, Halle Berry. As Storm. Um, you've got... I'm Rebecca just, Romaine Stamos at the time. As Mystique. Well, that was, that was good casting, too. That was good get casting. A, a supermodel to get uh, to be um, Mystique. That worked, that worked out well, although I will say I was a lot happier with the Jennifer Lawrence version of Mystique when she gave the character some kind of depth and and uh, turmoil as opposed sure. to just being like Magento's a hot henchman. blue person. Yeah, like the hot blue henchman. Right. Yeah. Um, but you've also got uh, Sean Ashmore right, as right. Uh, the ice, Iceman. Um, and then let's not got? forget Bruce Davidson as Senator Kelly. Oh, that's right. I forgot Man. about him. See, and he gets melted the fuck away in this movie. And it's weird. Yeah, that's one of the most interesting things, I think, about this movie is that when he starts to melt after coming out of the ocean, it's like, oh, we're doing some comic book stuff. Right, like, like this, this is, is cool. straight up. Yeah. 
so that movie kind of set the groundwork and was a pretty great movie. I remember yeah. seeing it. I remember loving it and being very excited to see the X-Men on the big screen. Um, I was young enough that I didn't really have any of the qualms that people had with the casting. I was just excited to see these characters right. in a well, movie. That's a, that's an interesting point, though, Q, because I think it's hard to at this point, but think back to the year 2000. We definitely weren't, you know, having internet blowups like we are now. We aren't signing petitions to get new people cast as different things. But back then, the fact that we had a comic book movie at all that was focused on some of these characters was very exciting. Oh, so I... We weren't combing through them with a fine-tooth comb like we do now of saying, whoa, well, this character design isn't perfectly spot on, and where are the yellow suits? We were just more happy that they had the heart of these characters correct and were doing it on purpose right. and in a serious way. To be fair, I think as moviegoers and comic fans, we've become spoiled. We have been because now it's 80% of the market is comic book movies. But back in 2000, that was not the case. The fact that we got this at all that had real people in it that could act their asses off, directed by a director that had some clout, was gigantic. Totally. And... It surpassed our expectations when X-Men 2, X2 United came out. Man, X2 is awesome. And it was awesome. And it dealt with a very cool story. It introduced a Nightcrawler, which was hella awesome. Another, Another bit of casting that was confusing at first with Alan Cummings. But then when I saw him as the character. Totally understood. I couldn't see anybody else. Absolutely. I, it, I 100% agree. The other thing about X2 that I think it did that was uh, that puts it above the rest for me is it introduced what I think is probably the best villain, or the, at least the best human villain, in any of the X-Men movies. Brian with, Cox? With Brian Cox's Striker. Yep. His turn, like with his son and like the, the ultimate plan and everything, I loved that storyline so much. Yep. And, it and also Brian has, Cox is a fantastic actor. Oh, yeah. He's, well. he's great in everything. And it also had, I think it was Archangels, or correct me if I'm wrong, but Archangels basically, quote unquote, coming out scene to his parents about him being a mutant. Was he that or was that, I think that was three. Oh, it was? Yeah, I don't oh, think that. we ha- I don't think we got Angel in two. You know I think what? Angel I, came in three. I am mer- merging those together. The fantastic Ben Foster. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and yeah, he has that whole like where it like shows his wings for the first time. Yeah, that was a okay. I am conflating those. We'll talk about that in the last probably the best part of Last Stand. That's yes. probably why I added into X two because you're like really that was good. actually a good part. <laughs> that was really good. So. But man, yeah, X2, I remember, and like, it was a bit long, I will say, Yeah. but it was, it was such a great movement forward from X-Men. I totally agree, and, and it was actually a very quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking X-Men dropped in uh, 2000, and this movie came out in 2003, so pretty much they saw the success of X-Men, and they were like, let's get to work on a sequel, you brought back... Uh, Brian Singer behind the camera, um, Zach Penn and David Hayter were hired to write scripts, but then right. you had Michael Doherty come yeah. through and do a rewrite. And Michael Doherty, people may know recently, um, as his movie Godzilla: King of the Monsters just dropped. Yeah, did he direct that or did he write it? He directed it. Okay, I think awesome. he also wrote it. Maybe, probably. 
but he also did the Fantastic Krampus and Trick or Treat for genre fans. Right. We talked about him just a, a, a little while ago when we talked about Trick or Treat. Yeah, I love I love Michael Doherty. I think yeah. he's I think he's a really interesting uh, kind of force in movies yeah. right now. But so X Men Two came out was critically lauded. Everybody loved it. Um, it was a fantastic movie. So then they're like, "All right, let's go ahead and get another one going." And then and then, and then they okay. So here's the deal. Singer was like, "I'm out of here." I'm I'm done. This is two movies. I need to move on. I want to work on something else. He wasn't a dick about it, but he was like, I'm kind of ready to go do something else. So originally, Matthew Vaughn right. was brought on to do this movie. And I think this is kind of where we start to touch on me saying that Dark Phoenix is going to be kind of a redux. Matthew Vaughn, people may know, came in later, two movies later, as a matter of fact, and did X-Men First Class, which is kind of a soft reboot. Right. Of the franchise. Um, but originally, he was attached. He was doing the movie. I'm and, not sure I knew that about Last Stand. Yep, he was announced as the director. Like, he was doing the movie. And he dropped out over creative differences with Fox. And one of the big things was, he had, and he's recently came out and said this in an interview, he had an idea for a trilogy of films starting with this third movie. This third movie was essentially going to be first class. Oh, really? And the studio didn't like that. They wanted to continue. Do they want to keep riding high on like the Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman? Like they didn't want to take a risk of trying to introduce new blood into it. He had an arc, get this, building up with first class, followed (sighs) by... um, what was essentially kind of apocalypse-ish story. Right. Followed by days of ending with days of future past. Oh, okay. And the studio was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to wait that long to do days of future past. Are you crazy? <laughs> um, so they were like, all right, forget it. Matthew Vaughn was like, I'm leaving. And so they're like, oh, shit. We got an X-Men movie to put out. Who can we get really quick to, to fill this void? In in walks Brett Ratner with a porno in hand and a case of beer and was like, here, hold and my both, beer. I fucking got this. Both of his collars popped. Totally. Wearing a visor backwards <laughs> and upside down. And a hat forwards. Just really douching it up is what as we're saying. Much he as just you can. He just came in just douching it up. I'm reading here, Q, that, uh, and this is interesting, I think, uh, from your point of view, is... Originally, the story based around the mutant "quote unquote" cure uh-huh. was pulled from a Joss Whedon. I re- I read that, yeah, from the storyline "Gifted." Interesting, right? yeah. I also learned something interesting about Joss Whedon this week that I think you may find interesting as well. Did you know Joss Whedon? Well, I'm sure you know, but Joss Whedon is credited as a writer on Toy Story, the first mm-hmm. one. Do you know what he contributed to that movie? I do not actually. His contribution to the movie was the fact that Buzz didn't know he was a toy. What? Yeah. So the story was originally like two toys get lost and they were, you know, have a journey back home. And then they had all these rewrites to make it more, have more conflict in there. And Joss Wheaton came in and suggested the fact that Buzz doesn't know he's a toy to make him not as much of a villain. That 
is kind of the entire crux of the movie. Which is why I think he's credited in the opening credits as being a writer, because he contributed one of the most vital points of that story. Right, because that's what makes the whole story work, is Woody is trying to convince him the yeah. the necessity and importance of being a toy. But, I mean, think about that movie, though. If, if Buzz had known he was a toy and just came into the room as being like, hey, I'm the best new toy, Woody, you're out, it would have been harder to establish him Oh, people wouldn't have liked him. Guy. He would exactly. have been the villain for sure. In this, in this way, in this format, it allows him to be a force of contention, but not purposely and sympathetic. Yeah, it's a simp- He's a sympathetic contrarian almost. It's right, in- and, and that's just so perfect for Joss Whedon. Interesting. I love that. That's yeah. kind of cool. I like that little factoid. All right, back to X Men. So, so we're so last. Are we, are we on last stand still? Yep. So oh, Brett Lord. Ratner came in. And just douched all of just shit all over this franchise. He was like, "All right, I like some of these ideas. We're gonna put some more bing bang booms and everything. Um, we're gonna focus more on uh, we're gonna focus more on uh, Rebecca Romain because she's fucking hot and I'm into that." <laughs> I imagine this is just what he sounded like in the meeting. That's, just, that's just, that was his first day walking just, on set. Yeah, just like, all right, cool. Hey, blue girl, you're fucking hot. He doesn't even know the characters' names. He's like, blue girl, baldy, tall Britain guy. You guys stand over there. Yeah. Uh, Huey, you stand over here, <laughs> and Cyclopsified, you be over there. Yeah. Um. So he did the last stand. Now the last stand took kind of two. It kind of redid another version of X2 in that this mutant cure was still kind Mm. of the crux of the storyline. Yeah. But it also then introduced the Dark Phoenix saga, which was a misstep. That always should have been its own movie. I agree. Um, Like, the Dark Phoenix saga, one, it's complicated. So depending on which arc you're reading, it's either some sort of space demon or a mythical force that is bestowed upon Jean Grey. There's a lot of different ways she gets to Dark Phoenix in different variations of the story. But the fact that it was like the B plot, right? not okay. And I will say the, the one thing that this movie did was that it gave us some pretty decent casting. We did mm-hmm. get Kelsey Grammer as Beast, which is which, fantastic, brilliant. I, I And I, I can totally see Nicholas Holt and him existing and not feeling bad about it with that character because Kelsey, they broke, they both brought such interesting angles to the character, but they, they were grounded in the same sort of heart. Exactly. Which I liked. So that was a plus. We had, as you had mentioned ben earlier, Ben Foster is angel. Great casting. Ben Isn't Foster this is a also great where actor. we get Ellen page. Doesn't she come in in this one? Or is that as a later Kitty one? pride? I think, Thought she was in the second one, was she not? Mm. I could be wrong. May, she may honestly, she may have been. But we see. also get some of the worst takes on a character. We get Juggernaut bitch Ooh. in this movie, and let's be honest, I love the actor who sure. plays Juggernaut. Uh, he's a staple of uh, Guy Ritchie films. Yes, um, yes, yes, I yes. can't think of his name off the top of my head, uh, but I am like real close, like Ray Jones or something like oh, that. Oh, it is like Jones something. I uh, I will find. I'll find it while you keep laying but, out your point about the movie. But the the version of that character, Vinny Jones. That's it. Vinny Jones. Oh, uh, I was close. The version of that character and the suit and everything in 
X-Men uh the last stand were just garbage. And the th- and the thing that makes it so noticeable how much garbage it is now is the fact that Ryan Reynolds did it in secret for Deadpool 2 and it was a thousand million times better. Exactly. And that's kind of my point is like it could have been done so much better, but it was just shit. So let's let's I think that's about enough time on last stand. I agree. Some decent casting, some really bad missteps. <coughs> Brett Ratner. That's the biggest problem. Brett Ratner, right. garbage human. Uh, then the studio is like, oh shit, <laughs> people didn't people didn't like that movie. We've got we've got to. Get, what do people like? What uh, do people like? Okay, Wolverine. The, <laughs> the one thing people still like, who's still alive after X Men: The Last right. Stand. How can we triple down on Wolverine? Let's just give him an origin movie. Which, you know, on its on, on the surface, I'm not against. Cool idea. There's a lot of mystery behind the Wolverine character. His origin is actually pretty interesting with the X program. And, like, uh, that's the thing that uh, growing up, being a, a fan of the X-Men and being a comic book nerd, growing up, it was always like, oh, Wolverine's powers, he has metal claws. Wrong. Wolverine's power is that he can heal incredibly fast and is unbelievably durable, which they used to implant like claws adamantium onto him. Now the comic or the movies actually do go into the into the uh, Weapon X program. Well, him having bone claws. Yes, because there are different versions of that story of saying like the claws were totally fabricated the whole time, or they just put adamantium around bone claws he already had. I, I don't know where you stand on that, but like the origins, there's a lot there. And, so, he, oof. so here's here's the here's where this movie got off to a rocky start. And Jay, I'm kind of noticing something here that makes me a little nervous that I did not realize. Uh, you recognize the name David Benioff? Yeah, he's uh he's the uh, Game of Thrones guy. He also wrote X Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> I did actually know that. Um, ooh, the, that the, doesn't. They're that great at make sticking me landings. That doesn't make me feel good. Um, but here's another interesting fact. Brett Ratner originally negotiated by the studio to helm X-Men Origins Wolverine. Gross. That's how confident the studio was. That the, bef- they, they were watched like, Last Stand and like, oh, that was a spoof. Ratner was not responsible for that movie sucking, even though he was responsible for all the choices that made that movie suck. It just says that the studio negotiated it, but no agreement was made. Uh, and then, and so basically, I picture just Brett Ratner being like, "All right, guys, look, let me just let me just do it again. All right, like <laughs> Mulligan, I can get this, not a problem. How how smarter X Men fans really? Like, I, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> just give me a Mulligan. Let me try again. Right. Um, but they brought in somebody who, when I heard the the pedigree of that, they brought in Gavin Hood. Right now, Gavin Hood is a pretty notable director. I remember him more for anything else than I remember hearing a lot about his debut with A Reasonable Man. He I remember al- people talking about that a lot. He also did Sotsi. Yep. And Rendition. Right. The Jake Gyllenhaal right. movie. I'd forgotten he did that one. All of those before X-Men Wolverine. Right. Now here's post-X-Men Wolverine. Ender's Game. Which, meh. What exactly? I feel like he it kind of like tanked his career after that. I mean, a movie like this will do it. Well, the thing about it is, I almost feel bad for Gavin Hood because 
some of the problems with Wolverine Origins, I don't blame on him. Like, there was a lot of production problems. There were a lot of budget issues. And they had that whole thing where most of the movie was released before it was released without any special effects. Exactly. And sort of tanked expectations for it. Sure. Now, that's I am not saying that that movie did not have flaws. It because had very big flaws. This had this was our first introduction to Deadpool. Oh God, let's no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Even it w- weirder, this was our first introduction to Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. The only thing I appreciate about X Men Origins Wolverine, including Deadpool, is the fact that we can now make jokes with Ryan Reynolds doing Deadpool for real about that movie's portrayal of Deadpool. For sure. Deadpool, as you know, is my favorite comic book character. He's my favorite just instance of what Marvel has created. And that was very, very, very upsetting because also. Ryan Reynolds is perfect casting for that. For Very sure. rarely do you get a chance to blow it on a first run and then get recast as that person again. And do a totally yeah. different take on the character. It'd be it'd be like if um Chris Evans was in the reboot of Fantastic Four as Johnny Flame. Totally. And but a different good. version yeah. of Johnny Flame. The black version. Right. <laughs> exactly. And it he was went, still Chris Evans. He went Evans. full Robert Downey Jr. Tropic Thunder. He did for for uh <laughs> But it, but that movie would have to then be good, which it wasn't. In which it was not. Um, so speaking of not good, X Men Origins Wolverine. We also get introduction of Liev Schreiber now, who man? as Sabretooth, who was originally in the first X Men movie, yes. but was portrayed by Tyler Maine, who is a right. wrestler. Now let me ask you, where where do you stand on Liev Schreiber as Sabretooth? Um. I like him as an actor. I did not dig the look of his character. I thought it looked weird. He had the mutton chops, but like a shaved head. And then he had like weird long fingernails. Yeah. I don't know. It just didn't feel... The first Sabretooth felt like Sabretooth. That's... You have said my views exactly. Is I love... I think Liev Schreibner is a fantastic actor. Sure. I liked... Tyler Maine better as Sabretooth, which is saying a lot considering he was a a wrestler that had almost no lines of dialogue. (laughs) Exactly. But he looked the part and felt the part. It felt real. Well, the thing about Sabretooth is that he's supposed to be the exact opposite of Wolverine in almost every way, where Wolverine is a short, stocky, you know, violent guy that's kind of a pacifist and doesn't really know what's going on. Sabretooth is a gigantic bulking strong beast of a man that is pure bad and i will say mercenary basically i will say i think definitively that x-men origins wolverine is where the the vehicle the bus carrying the x-men started to go into a skid and instead of turning into it they turned away from it and they flipped the bus here because here's the thing you've already introduced Sabretooth. So you are now kind of reduxing your character in the same timeline. Right. For a movie that was very well received. Yeah. So you're now going, you know what? All right, that character is actually going to be different. He's going to have a different look. We're going to introduce the fact that even though they didn't seem to know each other at all in the first movie, they're going to be brothers now. And we're going to get Liev Schreiber because he's a better actor. He is. And he is. He is. And he is. But we're going to kind of be like, ignore 
the first right. movie. The thing about it, I want to throw this out to you, Q, and I want to see what you think about it. Because around you know, 2008, 2009, when they were doing this movie, what if they had cast a young Chris Hemsworth oh, as Sabretooth? Shit, yeah. Because short hair, Chris Hemsworth, bulky guy, blonde hair, though, which yep. I could totally see growing up into being Tyler Mayne. 100%. Yeah, yes. if he gets, like, scarred or emotionally beaten in a certain way in the Origins movie, yep. he could turn into the hulking, silent Tyler May. Agreed. Easily. So then we also get, um, we get, oh, and I, I forgot that they call him by his name in this movie, Victor Creed. Right, right, they do. The other part of this movie that really made me, there were so many elements of Wolverine Origins that made me mad, which is why I think I have such disdain for it, but they also tried to introduce the Gambit character with, um... <laughs> The dude, oh, uh, the dude from Friday Night Friday Lights. Friday Night Lights, which I, f- I forget oh, his name. Jo- John Carter of Mars. Yeah, we know that who guy. you're talking about. Yeah, that guy. And Gambit. That I think they ruined any future versions of Cinematic Gambit because we've been trying to get that movie made for a while now. Channing Tatum's been involved with it, but I think that portrayal was just so upsetting that for they're people. like you know what there's like you know what it's not worth it yeah let's not do that again but it's totally worth it give us a gambit movie please. but they also took one of your favorite characters in striker and mm-hmm. said okay here's young danny houston version of striker like danny houston but not doing the same character no, that's the problem not. they took all of these established characters that we know from previous movies and they brought all these new actors but instead of saying hey give us this performance They were like, just do whatever you want with the character. Right. And that's fine if this wasn't supposed to be a prequel movie. (laughs) Exactly. To characters that were already established. But you can't do that. You have to at least feel a little beholden to what came before. You have to, yes, it has to, like, even a prequel has to connect in some way. If you're going to have the same characters... (laughs) They have to connect. <laughs> yeah. They have to. That'd be just... like if in X-Men First Class, it was they like recast Professor X with Sam Jackson. Right. And they're like, well, okay, good actor. Good Great. choice. Love he's, this. He's bald. But he's clearly not the yeah. first Professor X. Yeah. So they went into this movie. It also took a giant shit. So right. I would have to imagine that Fox at this point is, is getting pretty worried. Because that's two movies in a row that have bombed that is that is coming out of one of their most successful franchises. Like, at this point, they are now shooting exactly 50%. They've had it, two movies that were good and two movies that were shit. Now, in Hollywood terms, if your last two movies are shit, that's like over a decade of bad ill will that yep. you've then granted onto yourself. But, to use it as a segue... That punch in the face that Fox got may have been the motivation they needed to, in 2011, start possibly the best five-year span of X-Men And movies. that's what I was going to say. So, they went, hey, do you remember when we were talking to that Matthew Vaughn guy before we hired Turd Ratner? <laughs> he seemed to have a pretty good understanding and caring of these characters. Do you think we should bring him back in to try and like help us save this? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so let's, let's try. Let's figure. Let's figure it out. So at this point, Matthew Vaughn has now done Layer Cake, fantastic right. movie. Have he you done all, Kickass yet? I believe he has done Kickass. Okay. 
And then they're like, oh, okay, and he can do superhero movies because he's yeah. already done a version. Right. Um, and so let's bring him in. So then they do, which is probably, in my eye, the smartest move that they've done. I agree. Which is they do a soft reboot right. of all of these characters. They take all of the characters that have come before and they re- reintroduce basically younger versions of these characters. Yes. They introduce James McAvoy, or McAvoy. How do you say that? I don't <laughs> right. know how to say that. Ma- I say McAvoy. I think that's right. James McAvoy as James, Professor- come on the show and correct our pronunciation of your exactly. name. Exactly. As a non-crippled Professor X. As a young, head cool. full of hair Professor X. Cool, smart move. And I will say, McAvoy nails it. Because it builds tension. Automatically, mm-hmm. you're like, ooh, when's he go bald and how does he get crippled now? Yeah. Like, you automatically- are setting expectations and foreshadowing like, ooh, I know where his character yeah. ends up, but I don't know how he gets there. Well, and it was also, to your point before, you have to have some sort of foundation in what's come before because even though McAvoy has an inc- an incredibly different take on Xavier, he's smarmy, he's confident, he's a genius, even though all that's there, you can still look at Patrick Stewart later and say it's believable that he gets from there to there. Right. It's believable that he eventually matured and yes. became more stoic and reserved. Yes. After whatever traumas we're about to witness happen. Yes. You know what I mean? You I, you are absolutely right. And then we also get another piece of brilliant casting. We get young Magneto. Yes. With and Okay, now, at this point, was Fassbender established in any way? I believe I w- he what? had done uh, 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 ba- uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, but he was like a minor side character. He was good. He but was he was in that critically scene. acclaimed in yeah. that movie. Well, I mean, it was sort of like an Alec Baldwin turn from uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross. Like, he had one scene in that movie, and he just destroys the scene that he's in, and it catapults him up. Now, what I think... There are a lot of movies where they'll cast somebody and it's before they get famous, but then by the time the movie's released, they're a gigantic star and you just get lucky. Yeah. This movie casts James McAvoy, Fassbender, and Jennifer Lawrence before, and Nicholas Holt, all yep. four of those before any of them blew up. But by the time this movie released, they had all started to become established. And holy crap, what a stroke of luck that For was. For sure. You also get. Kevin Bacon right, as, as the villain? Which, I'm so into that. Right. The only, honestly, my only problem with X-Men First Class is I don't like January Jones as an actress. Oh, no. She's garbage, man. And she's garbage as... as In this uh, movie. Fr- what's her name? Frost? Emma Frost. Yeah, Emma, yeah, Emma Frost. I, yeah, it's just I'm not a big fan of hers. I, You know, I like what she did in Mad Men. I think, you know, the character of Betty Draper is complicated and, and deep, but I don't think that's January Jones. I just, for some for some reason, there's just a level of, I don't believe her in roles. Oh, totally. But you also get another thing that I consider a stroke of brilliance when they made this movie. You, you set it in 1960s. Yes. So you get a whole different visual palette. You can basically reimagine the entire world that you built. Because this movie is taking place 40 years before the first movie. Right. Yeah. So you've got a lot of room to play with. you got a lot of room to, like, visually introduce a new style. So they did that. X-Men First Class came out. P- 
people loved it again. I, I did. I was a big fan of it. And it was sort of like, okay, a breath of fresh air. We can do this right. Right. It can be done correctly. Then the studio was like, hey, Matthew Vaughn, we know you want to do a trilogy. Fuck you. We're going back to doing X-Men or Wolverine <laughs> movies. Woo! <laughs> but again, they realized from last time, they're like, all right, let's really take some time with this and try and give us a new story. And who's that James Mangold guy? Now, here's the deal. They did James Mangold Wolverine. Now, basically, this is Wolverine Origins 2.0. Yes. Yes. They were like, okay, let's give another prequel movie. This one still comes before the events of X-Men. Right. But let's set it, let's kind of ignore Origins. Right. Yeah. Well, and again, like I said, casting Mangold was a smart decision because he had had a good, you know, he had had a good filmography under his belt. He did like Copland, um, Girl Interrupted. He'd worked with Hugh Jackman before on Kate and Leopold. Like, Identity, which a lot of people don't like, but I totally dug. Oh, Identity Walk- with John Cusack? Yeah. I love that movie. He he directed that one. Um, he directed Walk the Line, which we talked about last week. 310 to Yuma. And then Night and Day yeah. with Tom Cruise. Like, he did all those before the Wolverine. Yeah. So he had a pedigree to say, okay, he can do action. He can do emotion. He Let's, let's see what we can let's do. Let's do it. So we get... Wolverine. Now, what the, did you think the of that Wolverine. one? What did you think it's of that one? okay. They did some weird things. It should have been Logan-level R-rated. Right. It it should have been. I, it, I think they realized that with Logan, but they couldn't go back and fix Wolverine. Totally. And Wolverine gives us a more intense story. You get Wolverine versus the Yakuza, You're which right. is awesome. Like, yes, I yeah. want to see that. And you get some really cool battles. You get a bullet train battle, which is just fucking Still sick. One of the best set pieces in any of the X Men movies. But I, you get I will say. almost zero blood mm-hmm. because they do this weird digital thing. So he's just like ripping people to shreds, but somehow they're not bleeding like anywhere. Which had been the case for a lot of the other X-Men movies, but for some reason in the Wolverine, it's way more noticeable. I think it's because the Wolverine, if we're being honest, is way more violent. Uh, Like, it is way more people getting stabbed through the face and getting stabbed in the chest and thrown off of things. Like, there's way more schnick, 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 schnick. (laughs) Yes, there is. Now, do, do you know the original creative team who was behind doing this movie? I don't. The original script was written by Christopher McQuarrie. Uh, oh, the, the guy who does all like the Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible movies. movies now. And the original director was Darren Aronofsky. Oh fuck me! So it was that cast with Darren Aronofsky. But Darren I don't Aronofsky, know how I would have felt about an Aronofsky the Wolverine. That's that's kind of where I am. It's like, all right, like, Aronofsky, I love that director. I know you worked with Jackman on the Fountain. Didn't dig the Fountain a whole nope. lot. <laughs> But, you know, it'd be an interesting take on a superhero movie. But then, you know, he didn't do it. And I think we got a better di- – I mean, I think we got a better director for this story in well, Mangold. We, he at least understood the character more. And he got it because a couple years later – and we're almost there. But a couple years later, he turns in the best Wolverine story ever. 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 And I don't think it'll ever be topped. I agree. So then – all right. So we jump past the Wolverine happens. It's another origin story, guys. Right. It's a new origin. X or Wolverine versus the Yakuza loses his powers, gets his powers back. 
super it's cool. A lot very, of emotion. I think cool that story. was that was what Mangold understood and figured out, I think, in the Wolverine, is that if he really focuses on the emotional turmoil that Wolverine is going through, it makes for a better movie. And then they double down on that in Logan. So then we get X-Men Days of Future Past. Possibly my favorite of all of these, honestly. Now, here's the deal. Great movie, right? Great movie. Very well done. Very, very well done. Um, Matthew Vaughn was supposed to be Matthew right. Vaughn's movie. Right. Was supposed to be the third movie in a trilogy. Yes. I understand that. I oh, feel yeah. like it would have already a good movie would have only benefited from more character development between the two different time periods. Right. Before this movie to really even up the ante on the impact level of watching these characters interact for, with each other. I agree. And I love the inter- introduction of the Sentinels in the movie. Finally, we get Sentinels, yeah. which have been like a huge part of the X-Men history. They're, uh, if you go back to the cartoon series, they were like the first villains you see exactly. in the X-Men universe. And so we finally get to see them on screen. We get Peter Dinklage in As, this movie. Unfortunately, I consider way underused. I don't think they did Trask correct at all. And that's not Dinklage's fault. Sure. But that was the that's the weakest element of that movie to me is what they did with Trask. But we do get the melding of these two time period universes that they've created and man that that fight at the beginning when they're in the future and they're like jumping through the portals and with those super sentinels yes that got me so hyped at the beginning of that movie i was like oh this okay we're doing this for real and then they go back when does this one take place this in the 70s, 70s because okay. they, they go decades so it's right. 70s or 60s 70s and then 80s. they get up yeah into the 80s and then the new one's supposed to be in the 90s so days of future past and let's be honest Wolverine 2 <laughs> because that's basically what it is. This is Wolverine saving the right. day basically. Right. But this um, is also the movie where they go. Isn't this the one where they officially retcon out Wolverine yes. Origins? Yes. Okay, good. That's what they I thought it was. that and the last stand. Yeah. Because he basically changes the time continuum. Yeah. Good for and, him. And because he does that, that is Fox's way of being like, "Hey, you know what? We fucked up." We acknowledge it, and we're just going to get rid of him. We're just right. going to forget about him. Well, and I love that it was Singer. Like, Singer came back after, like, four or five movies and was like, you know what, guys? I'm going to go back to what I did and yeah. start back at that. And what they do is they basically say, okay, the X-Men that you knew from 1, 2, and 3, those are no longer the X-Men you're going to see. The versions you will see from here forward are the X-Men versions from First Class and yeah. from this from this timeline. They're the younger ones, and we're just going to watch them age up. Yep. Is basically how it's going to go. Um, so they're like, we did it, guys. We fixed all of our problems. <laughs> we fixed X-Men. Now, to be fair, we'll mention Deadpool came out right after that. Right. I don't want to stay on Deadpool too long because I feel like Deadpool kind of deserves its own conversation at some point. I, would, I could agree. I wish there were five of those movies that we could just spend an hour talking about. Totally. Um, I, Deadpool... I think canon wise is part of this film series, but I'm not sure if I want to include it in today's conversation. Right. So Deadpool happens. We know how we feel about it. Love Great it. fucking movie. But and then <laughs> Fox was like, we did it guys. We fixed everything with days of future past. 
And then they just shit the bed again because apparently that's what Fox does. They're like, they get one good thing and then they just fuck it up because they just can't live with good things. And they are like, let's do X-Men Apocalypse. And Singer is like, yeah, let's do it. Now, Singer came back to do uh, to do Days of Future Past right. and crushed it. Crushed it. So what the hell happened? You even had Michael Doherty working on the script. You had all of the factors that were there that made this successful in the first place. Right. And then you just kind of crapped on all of the character development and you gave a really lame version of a villain and it all just kind of felt like a big fart. Yes. Olivia Munn was not great as cast as, as her character. Uh, like you said, I think the the way they approached Oscar Isaac's apocalypse was to have him be almost too reserved and above it right. all to the point where he was uninteresting. Right. Now, he had kind of a Dr. Manhattan vibe going he on. He did. And that didn't work really in Watchmen it either. Didn't. It's hard to it, outside of a novel or a graphic novel, it's hard to get that I'm removed from everything. Right. Angle in. It just feels like you're being lazy. Right. Now, in the effort to say something good about this movie, I will say that what they did with Quicksilver, I thought his part in this yeah. movie was easily the best. And I am uh, uh, upset that Evan Peters put in that good of a performance in a movie that was that bad. Well, I guess we forgot to mention him as a big part of Days of Future Past. Yeah. His scene in Days of Future Past is, is one of my favorites. Amazing. And then they they redo that scene basically in Apocalypse, and it's the best scene in the whole movie. Oh, he's I saving agree. people from the the mansion explosion. Now, now and then I will his say- whole like Magneto's my father, but I don't want to tell him. I'm trying to find a good way to start that conversation. Again, great performance in a bad movie. Well, now I will say too, uh, I did like some of their casting. I did like Cody Scott McPhee as um, right. As uh, Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler, as young Nightcrawler, Ty Sher- we get Ty Sheridan as young Cyclops. Cool, and, uh, cool Cyclops reveal in, totally. in, the, in the high school. Very cool. And then we've get um, Sansa Stark. Yeah, as the new Jean Grey. Yeah. Again, now we a also get choice. I don't. Who, I don't. Who mind. is the girl? Who is the young girl who played young Storm? Oh, you know, I don't know her. Let me look her up. I don't know her name off the top of my head. She was but great I was, too. She was great. Let me let me see if I can find her because she was an interesting. It was interesting to see her introduced. So the young versions of the characters that they introduced, I did not mind. I thought no, they were no, great. no, not at all. Great. I did have a problem with Olivia Munn's casting. I didn't. I didn't like her as Psylocke, and no. I thought she just came across as kind of goofy. Even the look of her character, they hewed too straight to the comics, and it yeah. looked kind of ridiculous in person. The uh, storm was Alexandra Ship. Okay, she's fantastic. Yeah, I no, I thought I, I thought that she was great, and and again, I believed that her character origins could grow up into Halle Berry. Yeah, one exactly, and all of these characters felt okay. Yes, yeah. I can I can see this. Um, so then we get maybe the best, or not the best X Men movie because it's not. But it's not really an X-Men movie. But we get maybe the best caliber movie, yeah. period, that has come out of the X-Men franchise. And that is 2017's Logan. Which, and again, it sounds dumb and it'll sound 
highfalutin or whatever, but Logan of all of these movies is what I consider a film. Uh, for sure. It is a high water benchmark. Yeah. For what superhero movies can be. And I mean, I will go unless they do something amazingly drastic. I will go down forever saying that Logan is the best cinematic film representation of these characters. It may not be the most fun of all sure. of them. It may no, not be. The it's most, definitely the most grim. Yeah. It may not be the most comic booky because it kind of goes hard against that. Yeah. But I loved the best thing they did was make it hard R. Because and thank God that Wolverine retconned out the last stand because we get old Alzheimer's ridden Professor X, which oh, is God. one of the most impactful somebody who is known for their mind. Yep. And to have his mind, the arguably the most powerful mind in the world, to be turning against him yeah. is brilliant. It's yeah. so beautiful and it and his relationship with Wolverine or Logan in this movie his relationship with Logan and Logan kind of being the de facto caretaker of yeah. him and having this real father son kind of relationship mm -hmm. is amazing it's so brilliant it's so heartfelt and then you get that same relationship mirrored between X23 mm-hmm and Wolverine, you get this father-daughter kind of strange companions. Yep. It's it's just so perfect. Well, and again, going back to what I said before about the Wolverine, is Mangold realized doing the Wolverine how deep Hugh Jackman's emotional well with Wolverine was. Yep. So they not only made him a caretaker, giving him a father-son relationship, they also made him a father in a, in a way, but they also doubled down on his seclusion. Yep. So all of the X-Men movies and Wolverine movies up to date is about Wolverine finding a place to fit. And it's like, does he fit with the X-Men? Does he fit with a love interest? Does he fit with a family? And Logan was the first one to really say, we've explored this for almost 17 years now, and he, he doesn't fit. He fits nowhere. He fits nowhere, but he fits as... a a savior when he wants to be. Right. And I will say, and I know we said this, I think we talked about Logan before, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen Logan, but at the end, when Daphne Keene turns that cross on his grave sideways to, to an X, X it's, I've seen the movie three or four times, chokes me up every time. Every single time. And, yeah. And man, it, just watching that movie, Hugh Jackman put a hundred and thousand percent into that kill. Like I believed he was hurting on set. I believed he was pushing on set. And he said that's his last Yeah. That's his last appearance as Wolverine. Now, if that is true, that remains to be seen. Ball. Yeah, but honestly, if it's true, baller. Oh, please. I'm yeah. fine with it. Yeah. Let baller. that be the 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 swan song that he goes out on. Oh, I hope so. It's it's worth it. It is a swan song to be had. I, I mean, honestly, the first – was it the first superhero movie to be nominated for an Oscar with Best Adapted Screenplay? Yes. Uh -huh. And then Black Black Panther followed well, up a couple no, years later. Well, no, it wasn't. Uh, oh, it wasn't? Dark Knight got Oh, that's nominated. right. And, and Heath Ledger won his posthumous. Right, right. But still, his first X-Men movie to be critically acclaimed for sure. in that way. And it opened the door, I think, for Black Panther to be able to do some of the things it did. For sure. So then we get Deadpool 2, which right. we won't dive in. Also love, amazing. Love Deadpool. Love Continuing Deadpool. to be amazing. Yes. Then we get... Dark that Phoenix. brings us up to current. 
Dark Phoenix. Now, here's my question to you that I posed or that I teased near the beginning of this. Dark Phoenix is the end, right? Yes. Dark Phoenix is it. Well, I don't know. That's my question. Where does New Mutants fall into this? Because we've been hearing about that for like five or six years. And now they've pushed it to an April 2020 (laughs) release under new Disney ownership. So, and I know for a fact that they are doing reshoots this year. Right. So my question is, are they going to try and use the new mutants as a backdoor launch point for something into new? the MCU? <coughs> or are they doing some reshoots to make it a final button on the X-Men universe? Or are they just doing some reshoots to make it tie to nothing so right. it will just be a standalone movie? I have my opinion on that. What's your opinion? What um, do you hope they do with it? God, I hope they use it to tie into the MCU. That's that's what I hope. But I hope they really do do it in a horror type of way. Totally. Because think of how perfect that would tie into what the MCU is doing now. So the MCU has their big set pieces, but they've also got like their heist movies. They've got their, you know, uh, their culturally significant movies. They've got their, you know, uh, chase movies. They don't have a horror version of this yes so if they use that to introduce the mcu into the x-men world then they would have one given it a genre take they the mcu doesn't have and allow the x-men to start to make their way into that into that group which is very exciting i totally agree 110 percent now i will say the direct I, i i hope it's good the director of new mutants has done you know a handful of things he did fault in our stars which isn't really x men related but he's working right now on two stephen king adaptations he's I doing know. the he's stand doing the stand and lisi story yep so hopefully that means that someone behind the scenes has seen new mutants and he's done enough of a directing <sighs> job to warrant more i don't know i've heard both. stuff i've heard some stuff pop out that says it's just totally unwatchable and that's why <sighs> all the reshoots are happening i um, not so I don't know. But I say it's time we get to a list. We've we've drawn out a beautiful picture of the X-Men universe, and it's time that we, we, we rank them. We need an X list. This is where we make a list. A list. Three, two. All right. All right. So here we go. All right. Now I'm going to show my hand. Yes. My favorite out of all of the X-Men movies is uh, First Class. Really? Yep. I love it. I yeah. I loved the feel. I loved the vibe. I thought it introduced a whole new kind of feel to the genre. It's definitely my number one favorite. I would love to see it somewhere nearish the top on this list. Here's here's my take on that. I love First Class. I think what they did with First Class, what Matthew Vaughn was able to do, was revolutionary. Uh, my favorite that I want to be near the topish of the list is Days of Future. Days Past. of Future Past. Yeah, because, I figured that would be the case because it's sort of it's not as much as Endgame, but there's something about Days of Future Past where Singer retconned the bad movies out took what was good about his movies, kept what was good about Matthew Vaughn's, and put it together in a story that 90% works. And I think that's a feat that just... I think Days of Future Past was what gave X-Men the momentum back. I disagree. I say First Class did. Here's here's my only reason why I think for... for, uh, 
the way I phrased it. I think First Class stopped the descent. Sure. I think X-Men was going down and First Class was like, no, 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 stop. Don't, don't feel bad about us. And right. then Days of Future Past started the momentum back up in the positive direction. So can we... That's my, that's my thought. Could we say that... Um, could we say that uh, it... It... I'm trying to think here. Because I don't know if I want to put it... I feel like Days of Future Past can't happen without First Class. Uh, no, I, I agree 100%. So I'd almost want to say like... But I think Days of Future Past is kind of seen as the high watermark for these films. Okay, I would say tentatively one and two, Days of Future Past one, First Class two. I am totally fine with that. The other reason why that I like Days of Future Past or I'm putting it highly on this is while First Class is amazing as a movie, I feel like Days of Future Past is more an X-Men movie. Right. I agree. And I, and that's that's a weird statement because it's I mean First Class is obviously an X-Men movie, but I think you know what I mean. Could we say then on I mean, that Logan, merit Logan would be 3. Has to be. Has to be on the list somewhere. Because I, I technically mean, honestly, while not an X-Men movie, I, it's still I think And that's why I think it needs to be high. It's the best film out of all of these. Like it's yeah. the best movie out of all of them. It all may not right, be the shit, best you've convinced me. Let's movie. make it 2. Let's oh, make seriously? it 2. Let's make First Class 3. I'm honestly fine to leave First Class as 2 because I think it's closer to an X-Men movie than okay. Logan is. But I, think I don't know, Logan's but Logan is film. a better movie. You know what? Yeah, you're right. All right, let's do it. So let's do Days of Future Past. Or shit, do we make Logan number 1? My only qualm with that is that X-Men Days of Future Past is more of an X-Men movie. I know, but it's still a better movie. I I, I know. Let's leave it as it is for now and, and, and okay. figure out the rest. I, where we stand right now is Days of Future Past 1, Logan 2, First Class 3. I would immediately put X2, X2 yep. after that. And, and then, then I would probably X-Men. X-Men. Yeah. I think you and I are exactly on the same page with that. But here's the deal. If you were to poll an audience and go, which what has been your favorite X-Men movie so far? I bet you you would almost get a unanimous chant that Logan was everyone's yeah. favorite. I'm fine with that, honestly. So I kind of feel like it should go Logan, Days of Future Past, First Class, X2, X-Men. That's what I got. Yeah. I love it. I feel okay. good about that. I feel like that's a strong right. showing. Well, I mean, X-Men has to be on there. There are enough that are just turd burgers that X-Men... I mean, X-Men started it all. X-Men was a cultural phenomenon. It started where we are today in sure. the superhero movie franchises. X2 is just flat out better, so it needs to be ranked higher. First Class stopped a trash fire, which is tough to do in, right. in Hollywood. Future Past made it better, and then Logan showed us what these movies could aspire to. And I think I would like to say, and let's go ahead, and if you're on board with it, let's go ahead and say it, put it into the universe. I would like to do an Other Stuff 2 episode about Deadpool. Yes, Let's do it. We'll just talk about Deadpool. We won't necessarily rank the movies. We'll just talk about his existence in the X universe. And what and we want them to do with him. In the Disney MCU. Yep. Um, so I think that would be good. So this is this is your brand new definitive list of the X-Men franchise. And this is it, guys. So number one, watch Logan. Number two, watch Days of Future Past. Number yep. three, watch First Class. Number two, uh, Number four, 
watch X2. And number five, if you haven't seen it somehow when you're listening to this episode, watch the original X-Men. And then after that, you can kind of not watch any of the others. Yeah, it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. This will inform, and I actually, I think those movies in that order will, like, if you start at five and work up to number one, it kind of tells a chronological story. <laughs> it does. Not even kind of. We've just given the retcon list of what Singer and Fox are hoping we remember. Yeah. X-Men, X2, Skip Last Stand and all the other ones, First Class, Days of Future Past, Logan. Yep. It's like, don't just forget everything else and then go watch Dark Phoenix. And that also chronologically follows Wolverine's entire story. Again, going back to what we said at the very beginning of this episode... The casting of Hugh Jackman and what he did with that character is the crux of the success for this whole thing. All right, so go watch these movies. That's it, guys. You have your definitive list from High Five Colon the podcast. Uh, share this list. Share this episode. Follow us on social media and all that jazz that everybody says at the end of podcasts. But more than anything, tell us what you think of the X-Men movies. Which characters did we leave out? Which movies should we have talked about more? And you disagree with the rankings and you're wrong? Lastly, we would also like to say, for those listening to this episode, in a few short weeks, if you live in the Nebraska or Iowa area, High Five the Podcast will have a booth at at the Ocon Expo, the Omaha Con Expo. We will be there. We will be handing out prizes. You can interview with us. You can tell us your lists in person. It's going to be a great time. So if you're there, come by, hang out with us at the table. Let's talk some movies and walk around a con together. We We're going to have there. a lot of fun, and we want you to be a part of it. We'll be there all three days. That's June 28th, 29th, and 30th. We will be there, so don't be square. And if you if you need to find out more information about it, check our social media, check our website. We've got banners for Ocon everywhere. We've been talking yeah. about it, sharing it. We love those guys. So... Uh, follow them, see, see what's going on. They've got people from the office that are going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Be there or be a square man. <laughs> X things. Superheroes. Woo. The end. We have reached the end of another high five. The podcast episode. It's time to lock up the writer's room and rest comfortably knowing we knocked out another great list of things you should be watching. If the guys didn't mention your favorites this week in their lists, you can harass them by emailing them at my5 at highfivethepodcast.com. That's M-Y-F-I-V-E at H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E-T-H-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. Got that? Or connecting with them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash high five the podcast on twitter at high the number five the podcast instagram at high five the podcast or on letterboxd by searching high five colon the podcast don't forget to subscribe on itunes stitcher google play or wherever else you listen to podcasts and drop the show a five-star rating to show us some love what's the worst that could happen Audience wins. Babality. Maybe. See you next week. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a wrap. Cut, printed. What happened to the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.